You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. We are starting a new series this morning um, called The Call. Can you say The Call? Um, how, How many of you know that you are called by God? That wasn't rhetorical. You can you can answer. How many of you know that you are called by God? All right, this one is rhetorical. How many of you are running from that call? I'm just, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, how many of you know um, what the call of God on your life is? Those are two different questions, right? How many of you know that you're called by God? And how many of you know what you're called by God to do? Um, so many I, I run into in, 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 in the church, not just our local church, but the churches that we minister to um, kind of around the globe is a desire to know the call of God for their life. I mean, so many times I'll be ending a meeting, you know, maybe I've ministered, I, I step off the platform, someone comes in and says, I would just love for you to pray for me. I just want to know the call of God on my life. And how many of you have been in that place? So you just want to know what, what the call of God on your, on your life is what it is. And and that's a good thing. It's it's a great thing for us to desire to know what the call of God on our life is. Um, But unfortunately, I I think, I really believe that this understanding of the call or the lack of understanding of the call is what causes a lot of anxiety in the church today. And what I mean by the church, I'm talking about the people of God. I mean, if you guys can think about um, a high school graduate who just graduates high school and now they're expected to make some big decisions, right? Are they going to go to school? Are they going to start a career? And so um, in that, when you ask, you know, someone who's in college, hey, what do you want to do? I mean, it's like anxiety just sweeps over them. They're just like, I have no clue yet. Uh, You're right. What's your major? Undecided, right? It it just, all, all this anxiety that can take place because you're expected to know the trajectory of your life and you're expected to know what everything is going to look like. And and maybe some people have those plans and they follow through with those plans and everything works out awesome. Um, But for most of us, it's not like that, right? There, there, there are things that shift and change and, and, and there's, there's all kinds of contributors to what God has called us to. There's, there's our past, there's, there's, there's our, our present, there is our future. And so I really want to bring some clarity when it comes to the call of God for our lives. Um, Many people don't know their call. Many people don't know what what it is that God's asking them to do. Many people don't know their purpose. Everyone else seems to have a purpose except for me, right? Have you ever felt that? And and I, I really believe that God wants to bring some clarity to his people, especially in a season like this, a season where the church has been shackled by, by a pandemic and by all the mandates and all the cultural things that, I mean, it even has brought a sense to the, or, or um, some anxiety to the church corporately, like, what is it that we're supposed to be doing? You know, before the pandemic, everyone had it all figured out. Everyone had, you know, a, a, a three-step plan of what we were called to do as a church. And then all of that stuff gets stripped away. And then we're like, whoa, what are we supposed to be doing as a church? We can't gather. We can't be in each other's presence. Like, what, what is it actually we're called to? And I, I really believe that God wants to bring clarity to each and every one of us, even corporately as a church. If you remember the story of, of Jeremiah, uh, the young prophet, God says this to Jeremiah when he calls him. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. 
Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. I mean, this is a rhema word from God. I mean, this is a clarion call from God, right? Before you were born, I knew you in your mother's womb. I have called you to be a prophet to the nations. I mean, that, that is a clarion call. How many of you have one of those? N- not many of us have that. Like God didn't like just tap on your shoulder and say, hey, I, I knew you before you were born. And before you were born, I called you to do this. And this is what I expect of you. And then you went and did it. And, and, and has this been many of your experiences? Right? This, was, this was an amazing call on an individual's life. And as much as we love to use this for our identity's sake, yes, God did know you. And yes, I believe that God did know your call before you were born. And I believe there is a rhema word for your life and what God expects you to be doing and has for you. But I believe there's so much that leads into that. I mean, just think about many of the lives in scripture. Think about Moses' life. Moses was called to lead the children of Israel out of captivity from Egypt into the promised land. That was his call. God knew that before he was born. It took Moses a while to figure that thing out. You think, you think about um, David. It took David a, 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 a lot of hardships, a lot of failures, a lot of sin to figure out what he was called to be, uh, a king of Israel. Think about Peter's life, a man who walked with Jesus, who, who, who was willing to, he said with his mouth, I'm willing to die for you, Lord. And yet when it came to people asking him if he knew Jesus while Jesus was being crucified, Peter said, I didn't know him, right? There's this, this, there's this progression, or if you want to call it an evolution of this call that I think that God wants to show to us. How many of you want a clarion call like Jeremiah had? How many of you would love that? I mean, love to hear the voice of God and say, this is what I'm calling you to do. This is what I am appointing you to do. A call so clear that there's no denying your purpose here on earth. I mean, I, I would love that. Then you could just get on with what you've been called to do. I mean, how many of you are good with like, like checklists? Like if someone gave you a list, you're like, I'm knocking that thing out. I'm good at that stuff. Just give me a list. Right? I, I think a lot of people can be good at that if they choose to. You give me a list and, and I'll, I'll, I'll knock it out. Um, and so sometimes this thing with a call, it's like, Lord, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But here's a question. This is rhetorical. Will you? Will you? Because we're not just talking about a checklist. And if you're like me, I, I like look at a checklist and I cross out all the things that like, I don't got time for it. Those aren't the most important things. If, you, if you've done any kind of like personal organization stuff, if, you, if you're like someone who's administrative and wants to, you know, tackle your day uh, in, in an uh, efficient way, then you have a checklist. And when you have that checklist, you know, you put the things that are, are, you have to do. These are the things I cannot not do today. And then you have the things that say, hey, these are the things that carried over from yesterday. So these things need my attention as well. And then you have the things like, okay, it's going to be okay. Life won't end if I don't finish this thing, right? You have a thing like that. 
I think a lot of our, our, our walk with the Lord is that these are the things I don't have to give attention to today. They can carry over till tomorrow. When you know that you know that you know that you're called, the things that God asks you to do, you do. Because God has said it. And so that's my question about this understanding of the call, right? Sometimes it can see just simple. Lord, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. Seems simple, but is it? Jeremiah was called as a prophet to the nations. And listen, this is what God said to him about the mandate for his life. What I tell you to say, you will say. And where I tell you to go, you will go. That was the criteria for him to answer the call of being a prophet to the nations. That he was going to have to say what God said, and he was going to have to go where God said for him to go. And I believe we can put that same criteria on each of us when it comes to our our call, that we are called to say what God says to say and go where God calls us to go. But I think there's a lot more that leads up to that type of lifestyle when it comes to our call. Answering a call like like Jeremiah's takes serious faith. Faith that I believe stems from a lifelong, listen friends, a lifelong journey of saying yes to Jesus. And so if you can't say yes to Jesus in the small things, how are you going to say yes to Jesus in the big things? If you can't say yes to love your neighbor, how are you going to say yes when God says, I want to send you to the outer ends of the, of, the, of the earth to preach the gospel and to love people around the globe? It's a lifelong pattern of answering, listen, friends, the four calls. Can you say four calls? Four calls that I believe every follower of Jesus must, must answer. Four calls. I believe these four calls are progressive by design. And what I mean by progressive, I believe they, they start here and then they evolve here. So it also means that you can't skip these in these four calls. In these four calls, you can't just skip one to get to the other as much as we would love to. As though Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to the nations, he first had to answer the call that God was his Lord. I believe all four calls co coexist and can be active in the life of every believer at the same time. But listen, friends, I don't believe there are shortcuts to our call. And I believe now more than ever, people are trying to take shortcuts. Now more than ever, people are, 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 are wanting to jump ahead of the line and people are, are wanting to uh, a platform and wanting to be used by God for big things. And yet God can't trust them with the small. Starting today, we're going to explore each of these four calls. And, and I trust, listen, friends, the word and the spirit of God will bring revelation, will bring faith. Faith will bring activation. Activation will bring momentum. And the results of understanding and responding to these four calls, listen, friends, is going to bring spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Because I believe the Lord is raising up his church. And I believe for far too long, the church has been playing around in kiddie pools and God has called us to swim in oceans. There's a maturity that needs to come. And when it comes to our, our, our call, we need to understand it like never before. Are you guys cool with me? 
All right, so we're going to spend um, one week on each one of these calls. Um, I, I don't want to uh, spend um, too much time reviewing each cause. We're going to spend time with one today, but these four calls is this, friends, if you want to write them down just for your notes. Number one is the call to salvation. The call to salvation. Number two is the call to discipleship. Number three is the call to service. And number four is a call to leadership. Call to salvation, a call to discipleship, a call to service, and a call to leadership. So we're going to start today with the call to salvation. Um, the Lord's understanding of salvation, I believe, is very different than our understanding of salvation. How many of you believe you understand salvation? If you've said yes to Jesus, you should understand salvation to a degree. But God in heaven, who knows all and sees all, has a greater understanding of what salvation is because he was the one who architect the salvation plan for God's people. Are you guys with me? And so when we look at this first, this call to salvation, um, if I asked you who has answered the call of salvation here um, we, most of us would understand what that means. You have been called to be saved, right? Um, some students in the class might be like, ooh, 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 I know, I know what it means. I know what it means. Um, but there is so much more than I believe we understand because our lives would look very different if we understood the depths of our salvation call. Are you with me? So what is the call to salvation? I want to ask us some questions. Is the call to salvation the assurance to a better afterlife? I'm, I'm talking about heaven. When you think about salvation, do you only think of heaven? Like, well, I'm saved, so now I get to go to heaven. Uh, when we think about salvation, is it solely the forgiveness of sins? So when you think about salvation, I have been saved from my sins and from the penalty of sin. Is it, is it saved from something? Or listen, friends, or is it saved for something? I'm going to say that again. Is our call to salvation being saved from something? Or is it being saved for something? Did I say that right? Is our response to salvation the main focus? Let's think of this. We, we, I have often quoted Romans chapter 10, verse 9, when it comes to salvation. How, do, how can you be saved? How do you receive salvation? Romans 10, 9 says this. If you openly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so you can experience salvation through the confession and through belief. We believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe God raised him from the dead. And because of those things, I can receive salvation. Salvation from what? Or salvation for what? I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 43. And Isaiah chapter 43, we are going to read um, a good portion of this because I believe that the perspective of God when it comes to salvation is so deep and so rich in its understanding that it, can, it will set up every believer who says that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every believer who believes that they have received the salvation of Jesus, it, it brings us new perspective on what this call actually means. Are you with me? Okay, so I'm gonna be starting Isaiah chapter 43, verse one. 
Here we go. But now, O Jacob, yours might say Israel, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, I want to give just a context. As the prophet Isaiah was speaking on behalf of God to the children of Israel, we can take these same passages and understand these are the same words that he is speaking over his people. And so we're reading an old um, Testament text. We are bringing that into a new um, covenant understanding as he is speaking to his people. He is speaking to the church. So anytime you read, O Israel, in the Old Testament, you can read, O church, because he is speaking to his called people, those who have responded um, to his call to salvation. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid. Listen to this, for I have ransomed you. Some of your versions might say, I have saved you. I have ransomed you. Listen to this, friends. I have called you by name. You are mine. This is what God says about salvation. I have called you by name and you are mine. When, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not be, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel. Listen, friends, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded your, um, their lives for yours. Listen to this, because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from the east and the west. I will say to the north and to the south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Friends, this is intimate text. This is, this is a savior's love letter to his people. I really believe that the depths of this passage is getting to the root of true salvation and what, what is afforded to the people of God, God when we respond to this call. And we might be able to rattle off Romans 10, 9, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. There is so much more in this text when it comes to salvation. Is it just confession? Is it just belief? You know, the, the apostle James says or points out something in scripture that there's, there's actually demonic faith. And what he, what he was writing about, he said this, because even the demons believe in who God is because they've seen him. So is it just enough to believe? Bring your sons and your daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Bring out the people who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. Gather the nations together. Assemble the peoples of the world. 
Which of their idols has ever foretold such things? Which can predict what will happen tomorrow? Where are the witnesses of such predictions? Who can verify that they spoke the truth? But you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen. Listen, friends, listen to this. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been. Listen, friends, and there never will be. I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. There is no other Savior. First, I predicted your rescue. Then I saved you and proclaimed, and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am only God, says the Lord. And then listen to this. From, from eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. This is God, our Savior. This is God, our Savior. And when I think about salvation, and, and, when, and when I think about what we have reduced salvation to in the church and, and how we count salvations or we, we count confessions, friends, I'm telling you there, there is a fruit of salvation that cannot be denied when someone has given their life to Jesus. It's this call of salvation that I believe God is blowing a trumpet for in this season. This understanding of salvation that God wants us to, to go to the depths to. So let me give some highlights from this passage. Number one, God called you. I would love you to say that God has called me. This call to salvation was given to you. It was a call that was dialed specifically with your name. This was a call to you. I called you by name. You are mine. You are precious to me. I created you. I have made you for my glory. This is what we see in this passage. This was a call to you. God didn't send out some mass text hoping that some might respond. Have you ever done that? Have you ever text like a big group just hoping someone will respond? And then you get up something. No one's responded yet because everyone thinks that you're talking to someone else. Just so you know. <laughs> right? Especially in the church. Hey, we need some helpers at the church. Everyone reads that and they're like, man, they need helpers at the church. Hope someone goes. <laughs> this wasn't some mass text that God sent and I am calling you to salvation and hope someone responds. Right? He dialed your number. Listen to this. It's personal. And it's on FaceTime so that he can see your face and so that you can hear his words. If you have an Android today, you might want to switch up because you, you don't have FaceTime. Yeah. <laughs> all, all the Android people say, if you have Apple, you might want to consider your choices because Adam and Eve fell for an apple and things went bad. So it's just... It's just Listen to this, friends. You, you are called. He called you, and it's personal, 
and is intimate. It wasn't just this mass thing, hoping that you, he has called you by name. And so this does go back to that Jeremiah passage. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I knew you, I created you. He says in Isaiah 43, you were created for my glory. You were created by me and I have called you by name. It's very personal. Number two, you are called to be with God. You are called to be with God. In this passage, we read words like, I will be with you. Emmanuel, the embodiment of Jesus. Jesus took on the the name of God, Emmanuel, God with us. It was because of Jesus that we were able to finally see who God was. When God removed himself from the earth because of the sin that 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 interrupted his original plan of intimacy with his creation, it was Jesus who came to once and for all reveal our Father's nature back to us. Emmanuel, God with us. This is a call, listen friends, of proximity. You are called to be with God. You are called into intimacy with the Lord. You can't answer the call of salvation from a distance. You can't. You can't answer the call of Jesus from, from, from from a foreign place. You have to be up close and personal. You have to respond to this very personal call. We were created to be with God. The Garden of Eden was a place of intimacy. Listen, friends, for creator and created. And the call of salvation has brought us back into that same very intimacy that was originally designed by God. Jesus said this in John 14, 3. When everything is ready, and he's talking about heaven, when everything is ready, I will come and get you. Why? So that you will always be with me where I am. This is what Jesus came to do, friends. This salvation that was, that was purchased by the blood of Jesus for each and every one of us was designed to bring us back into intimacy and listen, friends, proximity with God. I am going to prepare a place so that you can be where I am. This is what God wants. He wants you next to him. He wants you with him. So the call to salvation isn't this distant thing. This call to salvation isn't this thing, listen friends, that happens on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half. The call to salvation is intimacy with God tucked underneath the wing of our heavenly father so that we can hear his heartbeat and experience what it means to be with God. Is that the salvation that you're experiencing? Is that your salvation experience? Number three, part of call of salvation, you are called, listen friends, to know God, to know God. In this passage of Isaiah 43, it says, giving you access to know me. And that word, that word know in, 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 the, in the Old Testament is often used yada. It's a Hebrew word, yada. And to know is this intimate thing. It's, it's not this sexual thing. I'm going to give you a, um, a, a, a reference. When the Bible says in Genesis, when Adam knew Eve, this intimacy 
that was between them two. Then Eve conceived, right? It's this intimacy. That same word was used there. It's yada. It's the deepest type of knowing. The deepest where, where you see someone holy, completely, and the same for us. We allow ourselves to be known. This is what knowing God is. It's just not knowing of God. It's not this conceptual knowing or, or this, this knowing that we can gather from studying. It's this intimate knowing. Do you know God like that? Do you know God intimately? And have you allowed yourself to be known by God intimately? Through and through. Where God has access to your complete life. I mean, even the darkest parts of your life, God has access to. It's not like he doesn't know they're there. It's like parents. Parents, how many of you know when your kids are doing something wrong? Hey, just, right? You moms. I mean, it's this gut thing. You just know it. You know what's happening. And, and then they try to tell you, yeah, no, no, no. You know it. It's the same with our Heavenly Father. This is women. This is one of the attributes of, of the Father that you guys carry that most of us guys don't. We're just hoping for the best. Um, God knows us through and through. And we can pretend like He doesn't know us, and we can pretend like we didn't do it or, you know, we're not living that way, but God knows. And, he, and guess what? He still chose us. He still chose us. And it's just this sin. It's this sin that separates us from him. I mean, Peter walked with Jesus for years, and there was this point of this interaction with Jesus when, 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 when God, when Jesus reveals himself, and, and Peter has this revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, and, 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 and Peter's like, Lord, away from me. I'm an unclean man. Like, I'm unclean, like God. Like I, and this is what sin causes us to do. It separates us from God. And so if we're in sin. We don't want to be in proximity with God. But we have to recognize what Jesus did on the cross was a bridge for us to always cross, even when we're in our darkest place. The Bible says that while we were in the depths of our sin, Christ died for us. Not when you were perfect and had yourself all cleaned up and you're ready. And you're like, all right, Jesus, I'm ready to be saved. While you were in the depths of your sin, when you weren't ready and you needed a rescuer to come and pull you out of the pit that you were in, Jesus saved you. To know me, Jesus came that we might know God. To believe in me, Jesus came so that we might believe in God. We had to see it. We had to touch it. As a creation, this is what Jesus came and did when he came to the earth. He allowed us to see it and touch it. Humanity, creation. And he says this, to understand that I alone am God. Listen, friends, that's a, that's a deal breaker. That I alone am God. Culture and society tells us that there's many ways to God. There's many religions to God. There are many gods. God says, I alone am God. And to receive this salvation, there can be no question. There can be no question. There's no other road. Because if there was other roads, and you guys have probably heard me say this in the past, 
then why did Jesus have to die such a brutal death on the cross if there was another way? When Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane and he was knowing the will of the father for him to have to go to such a brutal death, he asked the father, if there's any way that this cup could pass from me, in plain language, Lord, if there was another way, please show me now. <laughs> and there was no other way. Jesus had to die. There was no other God. And understanding this, friends, listen, I alone am Savior. This is what God has said in, in um, Isaiah 43. I alone am Savior. There is only one Savior, and there's only one who can save. And his name is Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. Jesus is God, um, God our Savior, right? Uh, this little tagline, you probably heard it in the past. No Jesus, no salvation. No Jesus, no salvation. If you don't know Jesus, this yada this deep connection with God, then you do not know salvation. Uh, most importantly, this word know and this leading up to this intimacy with God um, uh, in verse four, it says this, you are honored. This is God speaking this of us. You are honored and I love you. This this attachment love that God is extending to us in, in the Hebrew is known as hesed. You say that with me, say hesed. Yeah, I don't want to be the only silly one trying to say Hebrew words, hesed. And this word hesed, listen friends, is this attachment love. And the only way you can truly understand this is, is understanding child development. How many of you have had, had children? How many of you know that those, those early years are, are the best years for attachment between parents and children. And, and, and when children don't have the, uh, the appropriate attachment, then they develop um, attachment needs later on in life that can be very unhealthy for them, that don't allow them to have attachment to, to husbands or, or their husband or their wife. Um, the children who experience trauma at really young ages, um, their, their attachments are broken because they um, learn to protect themselves in different ways. And so they protect themselves sometimes even from the attachments that they need. And so this, this attachment that is so important to children is so important to followers of Jesus. Our attachment to our heavenly father is so important. This has said this attachment of knowing God in such an intimate way that he actually shapes our identity. It's our attachment to him, this love that he has for us. Listen, friends, I honored you and I love you. This is what God is saying to us. God, the God of salvation says, I honor you and I love you. He is wanting you to have an attachment to him that will shape your identity. But what happens for those of us who have, who have serious attachment disorders, listen, friends, we don't find our, our identity in our connection to our heavenly father. We find our identity in what we do. And so if I show up to church every Sunday, then I'm feeling good because I did something for God. 
I might not have connected with him, but I did something good for God, right? Or, or, or you know, hey, I, I, I went and did this great thing for God, or I signed up for this one ministry, and I'm doing, and I'm doing, and I'm doing, but I'm not connected to my heavenly father. And I'm telling you, friends, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you can become a volunteer in the church. He died on the cross so that you can have deep said with our heavenly father, that you can learn attachment love to your heavenly father. This was the mission of salvation so that you can be connected with God in such a real way to know this attachment love. If you think you know God and you are not experiencing true hesed or this true attachment love, then my question is, have you truly experienced salvation? Because this is why God said he has saved his people so that they can know him and believe him and understand him and, and read words like I honor you and I love you and to the core, believe that. I believe there's far too many in the church who don't believe this and are walking around full of anxiety, wondering when God is gonna strike them from heaven with a bolt because they sinned again. Not understanding that Jesus has paid for that sin. Not understanding that God has called you into so much more than behavior modification. 1 John chapter, um, chapter 14, 14 through 6, it reads like this. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them. So there's that declaration again, right? All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them. But listen to this, friends. And they live in God. We know, listen to this, friends. We know how much God loves us. And we put our trust in his love. So I want to pull those together. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. I'm going to use that same portion. All who declare that Jesus Christ is the son of God also know how much God loves them and they have put their trust in his love. Friends, this is how we know we are saved. You know that God loves you. No one can convince you otherwise. No one can talk you out of your salvation. You cannot lose your salvation. You cannot get your salvation cannot be robbed. There is truly an assurance of salvation when you have experienced true salvation. Listen to this, the end of verse 16. God is love. So if you know God, then you know love because God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. I mean, this is beautiful poetry. Only, only John could do this. We, we see this in, in, in John's uh, um, gospel and we also see this in, in the epistles as well. God is love. Can you say that with me? God is love. I think God's trying to call some of you right now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
She's got her burner phone for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> She's an FBI agent or something. I don't know. All right, listen. Um, God, God is love. Can you say that with me again? So the lastly, number four, is you are called to love God. Those who are called to salvation, listen, friends, you are called to love God. 1 John 4, 19 says this, we love him because he loved us first. You are called to love God in response to the love that God has extended to you. You are called to love God. The call to salvation, listen, friends, so just in, in a, a, a little bit of recap, is from God, right? Number one, calls from God. It's called to be with God. It's called to intimately know God. And then it's this, this call to love God. It's in the greatest commandment. And it could seem so simple. And I'm telling you, friends, this is, this is mind-blowing to, to me sometimes. One, one of the primary messages I carry when, when God calls me out um, to other churches is, is this very thing. Um, just take her whole purse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God wants your attention, Mom. I think you need to respond today. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right, here we go. Um, this call to love God, this call to love God, right? A lot of times we put human attributes on our Heavenly Father. And we believe that God wants to be loved the way we want to be loved. If you ever read those, that book, um, the, the Five Love Languages, right? We, we all carry these love languages. And unfortunately, I believe some of those things are true, but I also believe a lot of those things are carnal. And so if, if, your, if your love language is gifts, right, you experience receiving love because with gifts, um, you know, if we approach God that way, then we have this relationship with God where it's just give me, Lord, give me, Lord, give me, Lord, like give me, Lord. There's some other elements of those five language, languages that I do believe are, are accurate to, to God. Time spent, right? See, we, we can't love God the way that we have been loved here on earth by earthly people. We need to experience love with God the way God has designed love. We need to look at how Jesus, the son of God, loved his father and then be model our lives after what Jesus did. When Jesus came and, and, and he began to put everything back in order the way it should have been between man and God, his teachings were so simple that it blew all of the you know, religious leaders at the time, it blew their minds because that couldn't be right. There has to be more. And so they would ask Jesus, Jesus, what, what is the most important law that we must follow as a people? This is what they're saying. Give us a list, God, and we will do it. And this is what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first 
and greatest commandment. And I'm telling you, friends, when we do this first, everything else lines up. And it could seem simple, but friend, it's profound because think about it. Are you loving the Lord with all your heart today? Are you loving the Lord with all of your mind today? Think about this. Do you love the Lord with your mind? Do your thoughts love the Lord? Does the cycle of your, of your thinking patterns, do they love God? Do you love the Lord with all your strength, with your physical being? Are you loving God? And then there's this, the soul, or some people would even call it the gut. Are you loving God from your gut? Like your everything, you know that thing you put your, your heart into? You know that thing that you're passionate about here on earth? Like, I mean, parents, you probably know that. Like, you like you have this gut feeling towards your kids because you love them like that, right? It's like, it's a gut thing. It's like, gosh, I'll do anything. I'll die for those kids. Like, run in front of trains, and I don't care. Like, that. it's this gut thing. Do you love God like that? With all your heart with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Do you love God with that? This is how we're called to love God. And this is what a response to the salvation call looks like. This is what it looks like. Yes, we get the benefits of, of salvation bringing eternity. We get the benefits of, of, of being free from the penalty of sin. But there's so much more. I mean, have, how many of you have seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, right? Do you remember when Willy, at, at, uh, at the end, um, not Willy, Charlie, Charlie at the end, he gives um, back the everlasting gobstopper back, to, uh, back to, to Willy Wonka? And that was a test, right? That was the test. Willy Wonka was testing his heart to see if he really wanted to steal the trade secrets of the factory or was he going to be this integrous man, right? So, he gives back this everlasting gobstopper to this to Willy Wonka. And then Willy Wonka turns and he says, you did it. You did it. You've won. You have won. And then Charlie is like, what? I've won? He's like, yes, you've won. You did it. I knew you could do it all along. He's like just over ecstatic. And he says, so I get the lifetime supply of chocolate? And he's like, you're getting way more than a lifetime supply of chocolate. It's so much more. It's so much more. You're not just getting the get out of hell free card, friends. It's so much more. You're not just getting the forgiveness of sin package. You are getting this said package that you get to be in a loving relationship with God, your creator that was provided to you by God, the son, and it's all fueled by God, the spirit who infills you and continues to push you towards your heavenly father. This is what the call of salvation brings. And unfortunately, some of us can lose sight of that. Revelations chapter four, verse two, we see this, Speaking of the end, when God is judging the churches and Jesus on the throne says this against one of the churches, he says, I've have, I have this thing against you. Listen, friends, I have this thing against you. You have left your first love. 
you've left your first love. One scripture that I think probably would scare many people who haven't experienced this type of said with God is this. Matthew 7, 23, Jesus is giving this parable to the disciples and he says this, but I will reply. And, and, and the response is to this. Men were coming up, seeing God up in glory and saying, I have done this for you and I have done this for you and I have done this in your name and I have done this in your name and I've cast out demons in your name and I've healed the sick in your name. And Jesus said, but I will reply. Listen to this, friends. I never knew you. Yada, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And what are his laws? Love the Lord your God. Love me. This is the gateway to salvation. Love God. Allow God to love you. Experience this love in such a way, this salvation call. And yes, we are going to get into discipleship next week. And yes, we are going to get into right living. And yes, we are going to get the understanding that we are free from sin. We have the power over us. We're going to get into all that. But friends, that is nothing if we don't have this foundation. You can't get into discipleship if you don't know that you've been loved by God and called into discipleship. And when you become a disciple, you cannot serve the Lord if you are not called into true, genuine discipleship, knowing that you're doing it to be like Jesus. And then you can never lead God's people until you learn how to serve them. So all of these calls are intermingled, but they all graduate. All graduate. But it starts here. It starts with a call of salvation. I would, I would ask you to close your eyes this morning if you're willing and I'm not asking you to do this for any other reason, but to just kind of have a private moment between you and the Lord. If you have never responded to the salvation of Jesus Christ, to the call to salvation, friends, it does start with that, with that Romans 10, 9 passage. If you declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Bible tells us that God answers thus those who call out for salvation, for those who recognize that we have been engulfed in sin and that that sin has separated us from our Heavenly Father. And the only way back is to repent. Ask the Lord for forgiveness of those sins and turn towards Jesus. Then we will be saved. But that turning towards Jesus is everything I was speaking about today. Knowing that he died on the cross to love you. He died on the cross so you would never experience the penalty of sin. He died on the cross so that you would have eternal attachment love to your heavenly father. If you have never responded to that call and you would like to respond to that call today, I would love for you to just raise your hand and I want to pray with you this morning. Is there anyone like that in this room who has not responded to the salvation call of Jesus? Amen. I see your hand. Thank you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray with you this morning. Is there anyone else who needs to respond to that call this morning? Okay. 
if you have your hand raised, I would love for you to, to pray this with me this morning. And saints, if your attachment love to God has been waning, I'm not, not throwing once saved, always saved theology in there. I'm just saying, if you need to be reconnected with your heavenly father again, you might want to pray this with us today too. Because God wants deep attachment love with you. He wants deep attachment love with you. This is your call to salvation. Pray with me, saints. Dear Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner. And I choose to turn from that sin and turn towards you. I ask you forgiveness for that sin. And today, I choose to enter a loving relationship with you, a relationship that needs time, that needs energy, that needs thoughts, a love that needs to be reciprocated. I choose to love you and I choose to allow myself to be loved by you. I want to know you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Now let's give Jesus praise for him. Call to salvation. It's a call for you. Call for me personal. Your name, my name. Man, what a gift. What a gift from God. Next week, we will be speaking about the call of, um, of discipleship. So I hope you'll come back and, and be encouraged. This, this is a, a progression, so uh, it would be really beneficial for you to be here. Love you guys. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Do, do not forget, we have uh, a meeting at 1 o'clock, so it gives you about an hour and a half to grab some food, come back. We would love for you all to be here. You're all invited to be a part of it. I really believe that God is building um, something special in this next season for us, and we would love for you all to be a part of it. So go with God, and uh, we'll see you soon. Be blessed.